You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Here's Matt. Anyway, okay, Lars taking a couple of days off. He's getting revved up for college football, as am I, and as is Justin Jones, our producer, who will be joining us frequently over the next couple of days. It's another hot one. I don't need to go into that. Uh, what I do need to go into is football, college football. Yes, bring it. And they're doing just that all across the nation. And in Tuscaloosa tomorrow, will be the first report for the newcomers to the Alabama Crimson Tide roster. There are several things that need to be answered over the next month, but will they? I think a lot of them, a lot of these questions will be answered over the first few games. But, uh, Justin, I want to bring you in right here off the top. First of all, how are you? Is it just sweltering in Tuscaloosa as it is all over the South? Actually, all over the planet. Yeah, all over the planet. It definitely is hot outside. I'm glad I'm sitting in the air conditioning right now, that's for sure. Yeah, you got a great little booth, too, because, I mean, it brings the cool. Oh, yeah, home As does home. the studio. I've had to open the window in that studio before to get heat in there because it gets so cold. But, boy, that's not a problem. Um, I would rather have that than the opposite. Hey, let's jump right into Alabama football here, Justin, because I was reading an article on AL.com that brought up uh, a couple of different subjects. Um, we have discussed and cussed and just gone over the quarterback situation to where, please, let's name a starter and move on. Of course, that's Alabama. That's Nick Saban. That's Tommy Reese. That will be determined. I don't think it'll be determined through practice. I think we'll, we'll see a game and into the Texas game there at Bryant Denny Stadium. Maybe we'll see a full-time starter. Maybe not. Maybe they play two. Maybe they play three. I don't know. But And here I am going on about that situation. But that, that is the top story. But Justin, we've, we have, uh, we've talked that one, okay? Let's jump on to some of the other questions that are in line for Alabama in 2023. Let's and I'm taking this, and what I need to do is give credit and I will hear in a second to the guy that wrote this article because I thought he made a really good point. Maybe number two on the list here is uh, how are the new defensive and offensive coordinators going to perform? Uh, I mean, this is Tommy Reese coming down from Notre Dame, 31-year-old, fresh-faced, very talented. Saban loves the guy. And then there's uh, Kevin Steele, the, the crusty veteran defensive coordinator. So would you... Justin, would you at least kind of toss into the fact that uh, with Saban's constant fruit basket turnover, not just coordinators with all coaches, uh, aren't, <clears throat> aren't we waiting to see how they work into the Alabama system under Saban? Oh, we definitely are. And uh, I think that's the, the most exciting part as we get closer and closer here. I definitely feel the energy in Tuscaloosa as we approach uh, Wednesday, tomorrow as a uh, player's reporting. Um, like excitement for college football and you know Lars ditched out on us two days early you know as he gets the scoop uh, he must be extra excited um, but the the coordinators especially after media days with what Coach Saban had to say about both of them and the progress that they've made um, in the offseason I'm very excited I think we're going to have a, a return to form and I think the biggest question is definitely the defense when you say Matt that 
you know, as much as we as we talk quarterback, we're definitely concerned with well, we can run the ball. We never really had that issue in the past, but is the defense going to be able to go out there and stop your really offensive dominant league, uh, SEC in general, with, you know, so many high-flying, you know, play callers and especially with Kirby, we know he's going to as the assumed matchup, he's going to bring it all against Alabama. You know, I was watching um, replay of the Alabama K-State game, and um, kind of didn't remember how much K-State thumped Alabama in the first quarter. Uh, they were gashing Alabama and through the run game, and you know they offset with you know some timely passing as well. But I, I think you bring up a good point. I, I really think Alabama defense is not necessarily on the hot seat. But uh, they need to get back to the 2009, 10, 11, 12, those defenses where offenses actually operated in fear. You didn't know what was going to happen. I think over the last couple of years, offenses taking on Alabama say, hey, we can move the ball on them. Do you think that? As I mean, just the defense as a whole, I think, has lost a little bit of its fastball. And you make a great point. Is it going to be back in the D line? Um, you lose Will Anderson, but man, you got some great linebackers coming back and, and pretty significant experience coming back as DBs. But do Alabama, Alabama's opponents don't fear the tide defensively the way they used to. Am I, am I off base there? No, I think you're right. And I remember that, uh, K State game as well. They did come out and kind of, you know, smack us in the face initially. And it was kind of shocking um, until the offense brought us back. But, you know, that's – if you like you just said, if you look at the 2009 teams, uh, you know, to the early 2010 teams, I, I remember I used to have the national championship hat that said D had done on it. But, you know, it's D1. The defense has won us those championships. If we look at Mac and Jalen and Tua, we've kind of been the opposite recently. So I, yep. I think that's what's motivated Coach to, you know, we've been hearing like running the ball more. And um, as uh, Dallas Turner <laughs> said at Media Days, a joyless murder ball, going back to to that style of of uh, play. So yeah, I think we're I think that's what we're going to be looking at this upcoming season. Big Noon Sports is presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. And also, entertaining more phone calls as we get right up on top of the football season. Let's uh, give you the phone number. If you want to chime in with Justin and myself, please do. 205 I was almost going to give my own personal cell phone number. Now, that's, a, that's an old man with a little bit of slip. Uh, it's 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. But uh, getting back to what Alabama is going to be looking for and trying to achieve here before the, the season opener in about a month now, isn't it? I hadn't got the exact date timed. Um, I, I believe you're right, about, about a month. Yep. Um, Middle Tennessee State. Uh, here's another one of the questions I think going in here. And I can answer this, but I want you to chime in as well here, Justin. But I think it's a legitimate question. Um, has Nick Saban lost a little bit on his fastball? Uh, I'll give you my brief answer. No. 
What about you, Justin? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know that one other radio host that that isn't on our our station here that likes to say stuff like that or have guests that say stuff like that. It's ridiculous. Like, has Nick Saban lost his fat? No, definitely not. We we were ten and two last year, which <laughs> people forget. Yeah, we're that, but that's the Alabama fan base and and fans in general where we're never satisfied unless we're holding up the the big one at the end of the season. Um, I think you just got to look at the recruiting classes. You got to look at the coaches he's bringing in, and you got to look at the players he's had. And in all of those cases. Nick Saban's not lost his fastball. It might have actually gotten faster, um, ultimately. I think he is so jacked this year. Uh, I really think he's going to come out both hands swinging. A little bit uh, throwback offensively and maybe defensively, too. But whenever somebody poses me that question, so Saban's lost and Saban, and by the way, we all know that you're you're talking about uh, Colin Cowherd. Kidding. Yeah. Uh, Colin Coward. Yeah. He's the one. That's a, and this is, by the way, the, this reporter that you're talking about has done this twice before. <laughs> and Alabama turned around and won an actual championship. Well, so don't maybe get me wrong. they're I, in cahoots. I, I, do, I do enjoy his show every now and then. But um, this past couple of weeks from media days, kind of ridiculous storylines. I think they were grasping at straws there. Well, there wasn't a lot of meat at SEC Media Days, am I right? I mean, there was the Georgia situation, and everybody, of course, wanted to hear from Hugh Freeze. I mean, those are those are two above-the-fold stories, but Nick didn't throw anybody a lot of information. Uh, and really, the other coaches were rather benign as well. So, um, back to the Saban situation as he lost in England's fastball. When people ask me that, I go, would you please... Go to 24-7 Sports, Bama 24-7 Sports, or National 24-7, or On3, or any of the respected media outlets, and see where Alabama continues to rank in recruiting. To me, and I, I know this to be a fact, the one telltale sign if a coach is falling back, losing, you know, he's, he's gone from... 101 on the speed gun to 89. It's in recruiting because that is the hardest part of this game and it's become harder. Well, Justin, where, where's Alabama? <laughs> They're either one or two. That's where you would see, in my opinion, that's where you would see lost on the fastball and I don't see it at all. No, I, and I, and I think people also forget what makes Nick Saban arguably the greatest of all time in my opinion he is is that he works the cards that he's dealt better than anybody else and and this past off season and last year with nil he was basically given instead of you know his typical two uh texas hold'em cards he was given the whole deck so we might you know sit here and talk about jimbo fisher utilizing nil or auburn offering allegedly talia Tagaviola millions of dollars but Nick Saban is going to do even more with that I think and we've already kind of seen it happening with these collectives at the university starting and like you said with the number of recruits and level of recruits that are coming in now 
Good points. Let's take our first break. Now, let me give you our show lineup for the day. Mike Rodak from um, Bama 24-7 will be with us at the bottom of the hour. And uh, must listen to radio. In the second hour, we'll be joined by Joe Webb. He was a starting quarterback at UAB for a couple of years. Tremendous athlete. Went to the NFL, played 11 years. Um, mostly a quarterback. But, uh, you know, they, they put him in other situations as well. He played 11 years. So he retires from the NFL. Now what is he going to do? He's going to knock your head off. Joe Webb's a boxer now. We'll talk to him next hour. By the way, uh, Justin, when we get back, I'm going to do a quick dive into this Perry Thompson flipping from Alabama to Auburn because I, I think the world's gone crazy about this. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Slightly drier air continues to filter into Alabama, making things a little more comfortable. Still hot out there, though. Your forecast, mostly sunny through the afternoon hours. Continue to be hot with a high near 92. Tonight, fair skies, the overnight low near 70. And for your Wednesday, mostly sunny, hot, a little more muggy. A few isolated showers and storms show back up by afternoon. The daytime high 92. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Thank you, sir. Matt Coulter, along with Justin Jones, our man Lars Anderson, taking a little time off as we get ready for the college football season. A uh, couple more questions that uh, I think Alabama fans want to see answered in the next month or so. Um, who will step up at wide receiver? Um, I saw flashes of the Jermaine Burton that most Bama fans wanted to see last year towards the end of the season. In fact, uh, when I was watching the replay of the uh, K-State-Alabama game, uh, he was stepping his game up. Uh, you were on yesterday with us, Justin, talking about Ja'Cory Brooks. I think that was you. Um, and, and there are others, but Alabama needs uh, a Julio or a Williams or a... Golly, I could I could go on and on. 
um, a Trophy winner. Yeah, Mari Cooper. Devonta Smith, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that guy. Um, but they haven't really been at the forefront, uh, particularly last couple of years. Who's going to step up there? That's a that's a good question. Um, my hope is really Ja'Cory Brooks. I think the, the thing that made me convinced on him, I, I know Jermaine Burton was with us last year as he transferred from Georgia that two off seasons ago. He, the potential's there for both of them, as well as for Isaiah Bond, who's played great for us as well. But uh, I want to say it was that Auburn drive with Bryce leading us down, and Ja'Cory Brooks basically carried us on all of those receptions for the most part uh, to win that game. I do want to point out though, Matt, like I don't, I can't remember the start of the year when there was Amari Cooper or, you know, nobody would have thought that Devonta Smith would have caught the national championship winning touchdown. So one of these guys is probably going to stand out and it's just going to be a matter of, of when, how soon or, or if. The guy I think and, um, a lot of people that have been to practices and been watching Alabama uh, spring and fall. The guy I think that's going to step up is Malik Benson. He's the junior college transfer. I hear wonderful things about him. But I'm like you. Uh, I, I think Brooks, it's time for Brooks and Burton to shine. But another guy that's out there, you mentioned Isaiah Bond. I, I think he has potential to be big time too. But guy who actually caught the first pass of the of the season last year um what's he from Calera Kobe Prentice um I think we saw a little bit of him last year uh but the young man started or played significantly uh as a true freshman and I thought he looked pretty good at times so I think the Alabama receiving room is large but I don't think anybody's really distinguished themselves cut above. But they need two or three to do well, that because uh, whoever Alabama ends up with a quarterback uh, is going to have to be able to find a receiver now and then to just offset what I think is going to be a, an incredible running game. Well, if we're if we're going back to a like more traditional offense, Matt, do you think it's really necessary for us to have that Julio Jones, Devonta Smith type receiver if? we're going to be mainly running the ball? I don't think it's as important, but uh, you, you got to be able, you still have to be able to throw the football just to keep the defense on their edge. And I think Alabama will be able to do that, do that uh, no matter who they end up putting a quarterback. But yes, I do understand your point. And that, on that note, I'll shift to the running game because uh don't... <laughs> Is that one of the questions that Alabama fans are really not all that worried about? <laughs> that might be the I mean, only as far thing. as running yeah. backs, <laughs> running backs. Yeah, I don't. That's the one thing I think you're right. I don't think any Alabama fan is questioning uh, the running back room or if we have somebody good enough to run the ball. I uh, I know what I liked I saw in the spring, and then what I've heard about practices, uh, and that's the young man from Georgia. I think coming in as a true freshman, Haynes, Justice Haynes, is going to get a lot of touches. Of course, you already have Jace and Roydell back there, too, and they they contribute significantly. And Jace is capable of cutting on a dime and 
you know, turn a four-yard gain into a 44. Again, I'll go back to what I saw when I was watching the K-State-Alabama replay last night. But, And I also think in combination with the running backs and the talent that they have coming in and the talent that they already had in the stable, I, I think the old line is going to be a strength there. Now, I think, uh, what do you think percentage-wise, Justin, we're looking at? 65-35 run to pass? Something along, along those numbers? Yeah, six. I, I take those numbers. Those are pretty good. Um, I'd say maybe even more, like maybe we do 70 30. Um, and just to backtrack a little bit, too, we were just talking about the receivers, Matt. I think ultimately the biggest position on offense that's going to be a game changer is going to be at tight end. You know, we're, t- we're talking about run heavy offense, whether we need a Julio. But that tight end position is going to be doing both for us. And I think when we're in those second and sevens and or like third and short and we really need yards and we run just a, a drag route or something with a tight end, uh, C.J. Dupree and, and Robbie Oots are coming back as well as some younger guys that are backing them up. That's what I'm, I think that's what I'm most interested in other than quarterback, of course. Um, <laughs> but after we lose Latu, that's a big question. And we did see Robbie Oots last year. And he played great in some of the games that he got in. But it, it's almost like they're set up to be in a position like uh, O.J. Howard was a couple years ago, who now is with the Texans, I believe. Uh, I believe he was. He Was was he with the Bucks last year and then? Or was I know, he with I know the he Texans was, last yeah, year? Yeah, I think drafted. he was with the Texans last year. But yes, whatever the case, uh, Lett is going to be missed. Um, he, could, he could get open. Oh, I, I think he's going to have a 10-year NFL career. But you, you mentioned O.J. Howard and Forrestal and the guys at Alabama. By the way, I think I just saw where he got waived. But the tight end position really has been a significant part most of Nick Saban's offenses, and we'll see if that happens to be the case this year. But, um, again, I, I think that the, in the running game, uh, I hate this for Jace and for Roydell Williams, especially Roydell because he's from Hueytown. These guys are going to be in the mix. But I saw something in Haynes that made me think he's going to end up getting most of the touches as a running back. Am I way off base there, Justin? I don't think you are. I, From what I saw at the A-Day game, he can play. Um, yeah. As a, a former high school middle linebacker, I'll tell you who I don't want to see in the uh, in the gap if I'm going to tackle somebody. Of course, it's all of them. I'd probably just let them run by, but Justice Haynes is like a bowling ball, and like you like you were saying, he is sneaky fast too. Once he breaks a really? couple tackles, he gets going. Um, I think it's interesting just because the running back room is so packed that like maybe we see I don't know. Is it is it too late for somebody to transfer already? Because I could see both both Jace and Roy Dell are seniors, but at this I point they the, might be committed. I think the transfer portal is closed, but uh, it's not unusual for Alabama to have more than one or two running backs. Oh, so let's just hope not. that it all stays right there in the same running backs room, and we'll see how it progresses. Uh, we. Uh, I want to bring something up real quick, and maybe we'll go into it in, in more detail in just a minute with Mike Rodak. But Eternal Radio this morning, I start reading. I see all these texts and all these social media. Because sometimes 
can drive you crazy. Sometimes it it's, it doesn't. Sometimes it's very intriguing. But have you seen the the backlash and the Perry Thompson flip? Uh, you know, guys flip all the time. It's a big flip for Auburn. Enough for a coach to go into a swimming pool. It's a big deal for Auburn. It really is. I'm not saying it's showing that the tide has shifted, which it hasn't. But I was amazed at, uh, this is not everybody, okay? But I was amazed at how much Auburn was celebrating like they won the Iron Bowl. And then there was some Alabama folks who were acting like Alabama had lost the Iron Bowl. Um, how significant is that flip? It's probably not significant at all. I I, I spoke about it the other day with um, Coach uh, Wimp and, and Barry in the morning. It they got to have their wins every now and then down south, just so they feel like they're included. <laughs> you know, Listen still involved. <laughs> um, I think the most outrageous thing though was I believe uh, it was. Perry Thomas's high school media days where he got up and yeah. said one of the reasons he chose Auburn was because Hugh Freeze develops receivers better than Nick Saban. <laughs> um, he might have a career as a stand-up comedian if uh. football doesn't work out. Uh, that's all I could take away from that because that's just absurd. Well, I think you got to give a lot of leash. Kid's 17. What, 17, maybe 18? You know, oh yeah, we're uh, really we're not a platform expecting. a platform that has grown to not just statewide, but now due to the flip and all nationwide. Yeah, give give a seventeen year old kid at a podium a break. Um, you know, he also said Nick Saban's a good coach. Everybody expected him to go. Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time. I don't want to go to see you. You know, I think people want to overreact to this when in fact oh, it's definitely. a great deal. Um, but I don't think a game changer for Auburn. But I think that uh, he's going to play that for all he's got, and hope that it open opens the door for more flips or more wins on the recruiting trail. So we'll soon see. But I guess my reaction is that there's been a little bit of an overreaction to this. Let him suit up, play at Auburn, catch some passes from Robbie Ashford. If that's the way they're going to go. Hey, uh, Mike Rodak is going to join us. Normally of AL.com, but now with uh, Bama 24-7 on the other side of the break as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. To the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, it's about half past noon. Thanks for joining us on Big Noon Sports. Bar's taking a couple of days off. We get ready for fall practice. It's really kind of hard to say fall practice when it's 98 degrees and a heat index of 110. And fall doesn't start until late September. But anyway, uh, I'm just uh, talking climate and weather for no reason because Mike Rodak is on hold from Bama 24-7. Mike, how are you? How's your life? Doing well. That was always something I had to get used to when I started covering college football versus the NFL. So I was always used to calling it training camp, and then I have to yeah. get in the mode of calling it fall camp. Just like with the, uh, you know, the bye week in the NFL is now when I cover college the open week. So it's just one of those things I had to get used to. Buy open and idle. Uh, you can shift them around <laughs> any way you want. Um, Mike, you just mentioned where you kind of were educated in, in your vocation. Um, but I don't think we've talked about it in probably six months. Give me just a little bit of your background. I know you're like a New England guy. Yeah, exactly. I grew up um, in New England, about an hour outside of Boston um, in Massachusetts. And, you know, definitely a uh, much more NFL country than, than college football country. I can't remember, you know, going back to high school, I can't remember anybody rooting for college gene even you know boston college was good back then that was when matt ryan was there and i think they got up to like top five in the country at one point and yeah nobody cared because the patriots were great the red sox were great the celtics were great and the bruins are great and that's that's where everybody's attention was so kind of grew up around the nfl and, and and pro sports but um went to providence college and rhode island and you know got into the college basketball there um that's that's really the main sport there and um you know i had, was covering the patriots for free espn boston when i was in college and then they uh, they gave me the job covering uh the, the buffalo bills full time after that so i went out there for six years and met my wife there but my wife is from alabama and she always wanted to move back so i came down here and was fortunate enough to get a job covering Alabama and been here. This is my fifth season now uh, that I'll be starting covering the team. Wait a minute. I got to get a couple of things straight. First, you were a friar? Yeah, that's right. I, I went to Providence and um, big, big basketball school and they've oh, yeah. actually gotten better since I've been gone, but big hockey school as well. They won the national championship in hockey in 2015. Alright, and you you met your wife in Buffalo, and she was from Alabama, or did I hear that wrong? No, yeah, you're right. She um, she she went to UAB for med school, and then she uh, did her residency as an OBGYN. She got placed in, in Buffalo. So she she got exiled wow. up there for four years, and um, you know, I don't think she had any <laughs> long-term plans of staying there, but um, you know, met her, and 
um, you know, we had our first child in Buffalo, got married in Buffalo, and um, again, it was always the plan for, for her to come back down here. And um, yeah, I came down here, I left my job with ESPN covering the Bills and um, didn't really know what the next step would be. But like I said, you know, I was fortunate that uh, at the time, AOL.com picked me up and um, started covering them in, in 2019. What a fascinating story. Uh, I didn't know about Providence or, or nor how you met your wife, which is just another uh, uh, another proof that uh, it's a small world. All right, let's talk some Alabama football. Can you give us the lineup? Because I know uh, freshmen and first-year players report tomorrow, right? And we got fan day on Saturday. Um when does everybody kind of get together and they really start trying to put together this edition of the Crimson Tide? So really tomorrow. Uh, everybody will be there tomorrow. And, and in reality, everybody's already been there. I mean, because all these guys have gone to summer school. Um, really, the only time that they were away was in May. You know, after spring practice ends and uh, the spring semester ends, um, you know, the players are gone for most of May. But then they're back for the summer one session, the summer two session. And so they've really been here. There's been workouts. Um, yeah, I forget the exact rules in terms of like what coaches are allowed. There's certain, you know, there's obviously limits on what they can watch and what they can organize, but things have already really been going on. Um, it just officially starts when they report tomorrow and then Thursday is the first official practice. And, you know, then they can start putting on pads and, um, but it's not like it used to be. There's not two a days. There's not, it's not grueling in the sense that, you know, it's nothing like what Bear Bryant used to run back in the day. Um, and, you know, they're allowed basically four weeks of practice. There's two scrimmages in there. We don't get to watch a single practice on our end, um, except for, like you said, the Saturday session that has now come back. Uh, this is the first time they've had it since 2019. And um, I would not expect anything revealing from it. Um, but it's an opportunity for fans to, to kind of go and watch from the stands. And then, you know, they're doing it differently this year where they have, you have to be a subscriber to their NIL entity um, yeah. in order to get down on the field and get autographs after. Yeah, Lars and I went into that yesterday. Both of us were a little uncomfortable. You you care to share a thought or two on having to pay to get an autograph? It's It's one of those things where I think it's, more difficult, I think people have to remember to get the players to do it in an environment where now it's legal for them to get paid for autographs, um, you know, to have these memorabilia type signings and um, to ask players to do it for free in the NIL environment. And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know the legal ramifications there, but just from a pure like asking standpoint, that's a tougher ask. So it puts the school in a tougher spot. Um, plus, you know, everything is NIL-driven these days. Alabama is pushing their uh, Yay Alabama NIL group very hard, and there's tweets about it and all sorts of, you know, exclusive interviews and, and the stuff that they're trying to do to get pe- people to subscribe because then when they subscribe, that money then goes to the players, and they're trying to keep up with other schools that, quite frankly, have more NIL resources than they do. Um, and so it's a, it's a business decision on their end. Um, I think it's partly a legal decision on their end as well. And it's just something that fans, I think, almost have to accept as, as the modern reality. 
Hey, Mike, this is Justin. Thanks again for coming on the show uh, today. Um, so me and Matt were talking earlier about wide receivers and how if we're seeing the Alabama offense move more traditional with a more run-heavy scheme, do you think any of these receivers really need to step up and play that like leader position um, from the just the playing perspective? And which one do you think is going to step up if so? Yeah, I still think there's there's certainly a need to have, you know, a difference-making wide receiver. And, um, you know, we'll talk to Tommy Reese on Sunday. It'll be the only time we'll get to talk to him before a bowl game. And to be honest, I think one of the messages that Tommy Reese is going to send is that they're going to really utilize their personnel, um, however, is, you know, best fitting for the personnel. It's not necessarily going to be we're going to come in and, and run the Notre Dame system. We're going to use a lot of tight ends. We're going to run the ball a lot. If they feel like they have the talent at wide receiver, if they feel like they can get a quarterback to come along and, and, and play that way that they need to, then they're going to throw the ball. I mean, will it be as successful or as prolific as it's been? Um, you know, going back a few years, probably not, but I, I still think that's the goal. Um, so if they can get a receiver to play that way, I think that's something that they would want and, and quite frankly, would need as well. I mean, I think Malik Benson is, is really the guy that people – are looking most towards. Uh, I think we know what Ja'Cory Brooks can do. I think it's good. I don't know if it's elite-level play. I think we know what Jermaine Burton can do. Um, there's potential among those that group of six freshman receivers that they had last year that are all back, except for Aaron Anderson. Um, and then it's, it's Benson. Benson is the big wild card because he's coming in as a JUCO transfer. He tore up the JUCO ranks, but it's still a pretty big jump going to the SEC. Didn't really see a whole lot of him um, in that spring game up until the last drive. He had four catches on that last drive of the game, but it was all against the walk-on you know, defensive back. So it, it, he's that sort of downfield explosive guy that they've had in the past, and he's probably the best player to be suited for that position, but it's still anybody's guess on how that actually plays out. We all remember last year they, they thought that Tyler Harrell would be that guy, and that never really worked out. Staying on the offensive side of the ball as well, I know this offseason, um, Caden Proctor and Tyler Book have been talked about as kind of the the younger leaders on that line. Are we going to see Caden Proctor starting possibly at the uh, at the tackle position, or what's the update on him? Yeah, I think he's certainly going to be given a chance to start. There's, you know, I I call it certainly competition at left tackle with what we saw in the spring game with Elijah Pritchett really had a, a rough game um gave up four or five sacks depending on how you want to you know kind of look at it um you know sacks weren't really actual sacks in the spring game but he, he did not look great and um you know obviously they're trying to replace tyler steen at that spot Caden proctor comes in as a top 10 prospect in the country massive big offensive tackle um you know you think when you see a player that size sometimes your mind goes to you know more of a road grader guard type of player um and it's possible you know maybe they can start him at a guard spot if they don't see what, if they don't like what they see out of Darian Dowcourt but the left tackle spot I think is eventually where Proctor ends up I think it's just a matter of whether it's day one or if it's later this season or if it's the second season we'll have to see but um a lot of potential from Proctor and yeah I think we're going to see him on the field sooner rather than later Mike can you stay with us just a few more minutes? Because I've got some other questions concerning Alabama football. Is that okay? Yeah, sure thing. I, I know you've been, you've been on the phone for an hour now. So anyway, 
We appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll be back with more of Big Noon Sports right here. The all living part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Slightly drier air continues to filter into Alabama, making things a little more comfortable. Still hot out there, though. Your forecast, mostly sunny through the afternoon hours. It'll continue to be hot with a high near 92. Tonight, fair skies, the overnight low near 70. And for your Wednesday, mostly sunny, hot, a little more muggy. Isolated showers and storms show back up by afternoon. The daytime high 92. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And this segment, talking some Bama football, is being brought to you by Laurel Thompson, the Bama broker Advantage Realty Group. Our guest is Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7. Mike, uh, big news this week is, or actually it occurred over the weekend, that Perry Thompson, a wide receiver out of Foley, uh, decided he was going to flip. He was going from Tuscaloosa to Auburn. Uh, much has been made of that. Uh, there are celebrations to the point of throwing Hugh Freeze in a pool at Auburn. And then there's a certain segment of Alabama that's going, oh, no, Chicken Little, the, the sky is falling. Where do you fall on this? Is this a big, big deal for Auburn? Uh, it's, I think it's a big deal for Auburn in the sense that they're where they came from a couple years ago with Brian Harson and the lack of quality recruiting on that end and Hugh Freeze coming in and now flipping, you know, Demarcus Riddick from Georgia and flipping Perry Thompson from Alabama. Those are both big wins for him. I think they're much more competitive than they were from a recruiting standpoint. There's a chance they're more competitive on the field. I think it's big for Auburn. For Alabama, you know, it, it's a case of it, 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 five, ten years ago, I think it would have been a bigger deal. These days, I'm not going to make as much of a big deal either way, whether there's a commitment in favor of Alabama or whether there's a decommitment against Alabama of anything for any player coming out of high school because the chances are there's a 20, 30, 40% chance that that player is not going to be there after a year. After two years, it's closer to a 50% chance based on the recent stats that that player is not going to be at Alabama. And the same would be true for a different school. I mean, Perry Thompson can go to Auburn for a year, decide he, he wants to, you know, can have a great year even, could decide he wants to take the best offer and go someplace else. Uh, he could not have a good year and decide he wants to go someplace else that, um, better, you know, develops him. So 
it's a year to year proposition in college football now. Like players can sit down and, and give their commitments and say, I'm going to spend the next three to four years of my life at whatever school. But the reality is a lot of players don't. And every single player is effectively a free agent after every single year, even if they don't go into the portal. Like we all heard Trent Dilfer last week talking at, um, you know, the American Conference Media Days that there's people coming after his players and they go through the high school coach to make their offers. Um, it's happening more and more. And so, you know, it depends on who you sign as quote unquote free agents through the portal more than it does coming out of high school. And that's, that's just how the, the game has changed really. Staying on Auburn is, I know we, uh, we have the Iron Bowl down there in Jordan Hare this year. I was speaking the other day on one of our other shows how often Auburn brings in a new coach when the Iron Bowl is played down there instead of up here in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and typically, the first year that new coaches for Auburn have played Alabama, they seem to have won or at least given us a hard time. Do you think you think Alabama maybe should be worried when we're, we're headed down south? Yeah, I think any year they, they go down there, they should be worried. I mean, it's been a, it's been a tough place for them to win. Um, you know, they're certainly fortunate to have won there the last time they played at the quadruple overtime game and, um, what they lost in 2019, they lost in 2017, they lost in 2013 on the kick six. Like it's, it's been a tough place regardless of how Alabama's played that year, regardless of how Auburn has played that year. It, it's just, just the way it is. It's just kind of the nature of that game and, um, you know, I think in general, too, Hugh Freeze does have success against Nick Saban. I mean, he's won multiple times. It's, it's something that forced or, or nudged Nick Saban to change his offense to become more like Hugh Freeze's offense at Ole Miss. That's something that Saban's talked about extensively over the years. So there's, a, I think, a lot of respect between those coaches. I think it's, um, you know, Hugh Freeze is a good football coach in the SEC. Like that, that wasn't the reason why he, he left, uh, Ole Miss, obviously. And that wasn't the reason why he was at Liberty. It was because of the other stuff. Um, but when he's coaching football and then there's not other concerns going on, then he could, I think, easily lay claim to being one of the four or five best coaches in the SEC. Also with Auburn um, and how we were just speaking NIL, we saw the headlines from the past couple of days that Talia Tagovailoa was offered, you know, an, an absurd amount of money, about $1.5 million, to transfer to some SEC school. Are, is this going to be the norm? I mean, I know we're already seeing this kind of become a thing, and like you said, with Trent Dilfer talking about people coming after his players. I've also, you know, thrown out the rumor that it might have been Auburn that was reaching out. Is Auburn really that one piece away or one quarterback away, especially under Hugh Freeze? Like you said, he's a really good coach from kind of returning to where they were maybe with Cam Newton. Yeah, I think the prevailing theory out there is certainly that it was Auburn, but um, that's, yeah, that's the way that things are these days. And, you know, Auburn needed a quarterback. Hugh Freeze was pretty clear about that in the spring that they're going to go into the portal and look for a quarterback and um, sometimes when you go into the portal you're really going out everywhere not just for players that are in the portal and again I it's one of those things because everything kind of happens underground still with NIL and maybe it will all become different in a few years if there's a new system in place where players are employees and there's collective bargaining and unions and contracts and things are more above board but look you know if somebody t- walked up and told me today that Alabama quietly tried to make an offer to Tyler Van Dyke as we heard or you know Drake May or somebody would I be shocked no like that's that's kind of how these things work in college football these days and it, it's free agency it's it's 
that's how you know players too. I mean, players are going to take the offers and, and negotiate and, and use leverage against other schools. And you know, Talia Tagovailoa could have easily gone back to Maryland and said, "Hey, here's what I've been offered. Like, what are you guys going to offer?" I mean, that's it's, it's how the game is played these days, and um, you can't really fault people on either side. I want to ask you about uh, some of the incoming faces that Alabama is going to see tomorrow. Uh, and we've seen a little of these guys already because they, they entered uh, or enrolled early. But four guys, real quick. Uh, Malik Benson, uh, Caleb Downs, Keon Kelly, and Justice Haynes. I, I get the feeling we're going to see a whole lot of those guys, uh, a whole lot of playing time. Yeah, you know, I think certainly Downs to start with is I'd be surprised at this point if he's not starting at safety. Um, you know, Justice Haynes, I think, is is a wild card in the sense that you have Jason McClellan, you have Wardell Williams. They've waited their turn. Is this their time? Probably more for McClellan than Roydell. I think if Justice Haynes comes in and shows he can be the most dynamic back, why not play him? Why not have him be your starter? I don't think they're just going to hold him back because he's a freshman. So um, there's the sky's the limit for him in terms of playing time, in terms of his performance. Um, you know, Benson, like I said, there's, it's just a matter of, A, what's the quarterback situation? Like, you can be a good wide receiver, but if your quarterback's not doing what he needs to do, that's going to be a problem. B, it's that jump from what he did in Juco to, you know, to what he's done here or what he's going to do here. And that's still a question. Um, and then Keeley is one of the summer enrollees. So this is really the first time that he'll be practicing with the team, but he's the top three prospect nationally, the guy who's been on you know, scouting reports as potential early first-round NFL draft pick. And we all remember Will Anderson coming in three years ago and, and making a really noticeable impact right away, becoming a starter as a freshman. And um, would it shock me if, if Keon, Keon Keeley did that? No, it wouldn't. One last question for you, Mike. So I know the, the linebacker room is – kind of the strength of this defense returning other than DBs like um, Kool-Aid and, and like you said, the newly Caleb Downs. Tresman Marshall, the, the transfer from Georgia, as well as Justin Jefferson, who we saw some at the A-Day game, how big of an impact is it going to be for those guys to come in and kind of set the tone for the defense early uh, in the season? And also, is that transition going to be easy for Tresman Marshall? As you know, earlier in the off season, we thought his coach was going to be following him over here, as well as some other players. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance both of those guys could play. I think right now, if, if I was a betting man, I would say their starting linebackers, inside linebackers, are Deontay Lawson and Jihad Campbell. Um, and, and maybe Marshall kind of plays a rotational role, maybe plays special teams. Like, I think Jihad Campbell really showed something to the coaching staff last year. He, you know, was a starter in the spring game this year when Lawson was out. Um, and, you know, is a player who was very highly recruited, you know, kind of has that experience on the edge being a pass rusher. Um, but is athletic. Um, can, you know, be a difference maker inside. So I would lean more towards Jihad Campbell than I would. Marshall or Jefferson, but it, it's possible the, either one of those guys, you know, makes a push, and we'll just have to see. That's that's one of the fun parts of fall camp is, is position battles like that. Indeed. Hey, Mike, what's the coldest you can ever remember it being in Buffalo, New York? Negative seventeen. I have a picture of my thermometer. My window froze over on the inside. <laughs> Did you go out? Ah, uh, I don't think so. But I mean, <laughs> Buffalo is rough. I mean, 
we had seven feet of snow one year too in a span of three days that was fun yeah i'll i'll not complain about our our summers uh <laughs> hey mike where can people catch up with you these days on uh, bama247.com and on twitter at mike Rodak. great stuff as always mike we'll talk again very very soon appreciate your time you got it thank you yeah. mike Rodak from bama 24 7 next hour we're going to talk some football and some boxing all with the same guy how about that you're listening to big noon sports presented by Haley sansing union homeboard Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A town square media station. What may it be? You can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Yep, that's us. Matt Coulter signs Lars Anderson, taking a couple of days off here as we get ready for the football season. Justin Jones, who is uh, every day our producer, but is also co-hosting today. Justin. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Alabama as uh, they report tomorrow. Uh, do you think they'll just immediately, Reese will just immediately jump in there and start going off tackle? Um, I don't think immediately. I, th- I think uh, I think a lot of the guys that were in the off season might be you know itching too, but I think he's going to let these these people that are just showing up, these players, uh, kind of settle in. I think. Maybe that's a Thursday thing. <laughs> maybe okay. we get one. Maybe we get one right. one rest day, and then we'll do it on Thursday. <laughs> uh, of uh, of the guys I mentioned just a minute ago, and if there's someone else that you suggest in the answer to this question, great. But out of Malik Benson, Caleb Downs, Keon Kelly, Justice Haynes, who do you think's going to be the have the most impact in their first year? I think if the running back room wasn't so crowded, I'd probably say Justice Haynes. But, uh, you know, with Jace and Roy Dell, they're going to be sharing snaps as, with Jam Miller as well. I am I think Caleb Downs is going to do good. I want to see Malik Benson come out and, and stand out. Um, like like you were saying, you've kind of sold me on him a little bit, Matt. I'm, I'm very interested how he's going to come out in the fall camp and then once the season starts – how he how he looks on the field well from what i've been told uh he has uh looked fantastic uh leading up to the fall um but i think i have the same opinion about keon kelly as you do with justice haynes because the linebacker 
my back room is not shabby either. So yeah, it's, uh, there's I, I just, a lot. There's a lot, and they're talented. They're all American status, a couple of them anyway. Uh, so we're going to see how that works out. But I, I, I think I would go Malik Benson. Uh, maybe that's just because I want Alabama to have one of those step-up wide receivers. Uh, but we will see. Is there anything else that, uh, you know, as we anxiously await the report tomorrow and the results throughout the remainder of the week, uh, what are some of the questions Justin Jones would have about the 23 tied? I think another, another question I have is with the pass rush as well. Um, like we know the linebackers are, are, are good. We know Dallas Turner obviously is going to be incredible like he was last year. I think it's it's more so who's who's filling in because we knew Will Anderson and Dallas Turner that duo was great. So Dallas Turner's still here. Who who's going to be the guy to step up and kind of be there? We we know we're going to have uh, Eboy be back and Jaheim Otis, um, Chris Braswell. So all the names are there. I just feel like you, one of them has like in many of the positions. I feel like we keep saying the same thing. Um, somebody's going to step up and and take over that second role or or the first role where Dallas will still be um, kind of the second guy but last year especially the issue I saw was we would get pressure and not be able to kind of close we'd let a running back run away or or we wouldn't have any pressure at all so I'd like to see some more dominance up front for sure especially after watching um, I've kind of been on my, my, my football kick as I'm getting excited for the seasons to start. So I've been watching some, like, Quinn and Williams highlights and things like that. So I'm wow. ready to see some some good pass rush. Uh, we hadn't, a guy, hadn't had a guy like him in a while. Uh, I, I remember, was it Chapman was the first one that Alabama signed way back 12, 13 years ago? No, 15, 16 years ago. Chapman, yeah. Josh Chapman yeah, out of – who's, who's now on any – He's still on staff. He's on staff now, isn't he? Yeah, I believe he's one of the. Um, I couldn't tell you an exact title, but uh, I believe he's one of the like player coordinator people. Yeah, he's a consultant or he's a DA or what? You know, I've often wanted to just look up in uh, like the University of Alabama staff directory and see how many people like Chapman, uh, like consultants, um, are on the staff other than just the head coach, coordinators, and position coaches. So many. And not even just for Alabama, but a lot of our former players on different programs as well, whether they're at you know Georgia or um, Auburn or just all over the country, really. What do you, do you expect anything really different in how Alabama's going to play defense under in this time under coordinator Kevin Steele? I think, I think so. I'd hope so. Um, I, like I was saying, I really hope the pass rush gets more improved. Also, I feel like when we went for complex uh, formations with Pete Golding, they they looked complex, but maybe they didn't work out. So I think some newer, although it wouldn't necessarily be newer since Kevin Steele's kind of a, an older guy or has been with the program um, before, I'm just ready for new. I'm ready for a refresh. I want to see interesting play calls and i want to see dominance um, it's it's a lot to say from my from my little booth here at the tide studios but i you know that's what i want to see i really want to see a very impactful and hard-hitting defense and from what we've said so far this offseason kevin seal is bringing that which i couldn't be happier 
couple of other notes outside of Alabama football. The trade deadline is here for Major League Baseball. Uh, yesterday, the Angels and Shohei Atani came into Atlanta and ended up beating the Braves by a score of four to one. You much of a baseball guy? Who's your team? I'm not really a baseball guy, but um, I, I made the decision to adopt the Tampa Bay Rays. That's that's where I went to high school, um, and I've been to some of their games when I lived down there. So I know they were active yesterday. I got some of those notifications on the trade deadline. I am curious, though, Matt, what do you think about uh, Max Scherzer leaving the Mets and going to the Rangers? Wow. Uh, Rangers have got it going on, and that's a great pickup for Texas. Absolutely. I mean, Scherzer still has it. And one of the things I like about Max Scherzer is he'd run over a catcher if he thought he'd get a run. You know, he's just so aggressive and pumped up. Man, he pitches hard. He plays hard. And, you know, rarely in Major League Baseball, you see pitchers, pitchers with his type of grit. I think he has it. Um, I think the Mets have also sent up a, a signal here, too. But Scherzer's still got it, don't you think? From what I've seen, yeah. Uh, I, th- I was very surprised. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a casual when it comes to the MLB, but I, I knew that name when I saw it, and I was very surprised at that trade. And it seems like the aren't the Mets good? Aren't they supposed? To, aren't they contending yeah. this year? Yeah. I, I also I have. A I question. was puzzled by that as well. It surprised me. I have a question for you too, Matt. I like I said not paying attention a lot to MLB but I feel like the scores this year, this season have been kind of ridiculous I know we've set some records as far as like the highest scoring like baseball games and I, I know the Rays lost like 17 runs the other day is is, yeah. is there something different this season that you've noticed because I'm sure you pay attention more than I do with like the scores or maybe the baseballs are a little bit a little bit bouncier this year well you add a few things together and I think I can at least piece an answer together for you. Uh, first of all, the bases are bigger, so there's less space between the two. You've noticed that, uh, double plays are down, stolen bases are up. You know, that's, that's a base, you know, that, that potentially leads to a run. Also, the biggest contributor is the fact that they took the shift away. And uh, batting averages are way up as a result of that. And batting averages go up, stolen bases go up. There's one plus two is uh, going to equal three and um, have more runs. Also, uh, it's, you know, I, lo- I love home runs just like anybody else. But uh, I like to see a little bit more small ball, uh, and, and we're not seeing that. And, and my team, the Braves, are a perfect example. Um, the Braves had more home runs at the break than any team in the history, the history of the game. Uh, I think that players are trying to hit the long ball, Justin, uh, perhaps more than they did in the past. Um, and, you know, that's also, uh, that's also what evidently fans want. Um, I, I personally, and, and people are going to go, golly, did he grow up with Ty Cobb? I like to see a guy get on base with a single, number two hitter advances with a bunt, um, or maybe they steal and then advance him to third on a bunt and then sack fly. Although sack flies are really, even by my measure, kind of boring. But um, I like all types of baseball. I'll pull over to the side of the road and watch a little league team I don't even have an interest in just because I like to watch the game and 
I like to watch the kids at that age. Speaking of baseball, I know you're keeping up with this story. Field of Dreams is coming to Rickwood Field uh, tomorrow afternoon at Rickwood Field at 3.30. All the big-time players involved in this are going to meet, and they're going to come up with uh, the name of the game and uh, a logo. And I'm sure other information as well, including how can you get tickets. But uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a game at Rickwood Field. It's not active very much unless you go over there for a college game. Yeah, no, no, sir, I haven't. Um, This, I'm luckily enough though. This past, uh, I want to say a month ago, um, my dad took me and my my youngest brother, who's who's uh, 12, um, to go see the the Barons play and. You know, my dad loves to tell all the stories. He we talked to us about Rickwood Field and how he went as a kid, and I really enjoyed it. The the Barons, uh, they kind of got their butts beat by the, uh, I believe the Mississippi Braves. Yeah. Um, but that's fun. And and then when the news broke of the uh, Field of Dreams game coming to Rickwood, I wasn't aware that it was the oldest. Uh, baseball field in the United States. Yep. I didn't I didn't know that, and I think it that's the- incredible. Oldest active professional Oldest stadium. Active. I think that's the way they word it, but I just say you'd see all this baseball field because that fits. I think um, it's amazing. Just I, I'm a big history guy too. I love history, and that it really makes me happy when they do things like that to honor kind of the history of the game, and especially for it to be in Alabama, that makes it even more special. To be honest with you, while I absolutely loved it when I heard it, I went, man, somebody in Birmingham worked their butts off. Because uh, I, I didn't expect it. Uh, I'm glad it happened. But uh, kudos to the friends of Rickwood and our city leaders in Birmingham for bringing this on. Uh, I just, I have no clue on what it's going to take. I think I heard, and this is, this is through, you know, this is through the grapevine. So I'm not going to claim this to be fact. But I heard tickets will be in such a demand because Rickwood holds about nine but an event like that with television crews and the additional media, um, these are all things I've just been told, but nobody went on the record, that there might be closer to only 7,500 seats, and that's about what they get in Iowa. <laughs> and and those tickets were going for like 1,500 to 2,000 for a single. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be going <laughs> to the game. Um, I also don't really... I feel like they could have chose two better teams to play in it. Um, maybe that were a little more local, regional, that we could root for instead of it's what the Giants and Cardinals. Yeah, and the Isn't Cardinals. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, I think about that. And uh, maybe the Giants are there because of the Willie Mays and McCovey uh, and, and their relationship and, and their contributions to baseball for the Negro leagues moving forward. Um, Cardinals probably for the reason of history. Uh, the Cardinals are second only to the New York Yankees as far as I'm concerned. Well, in number of World Series wins and in number of uh, the passion that they have for their baseball team in St. Louis. Hey, when we get back, please stay tuned. Uh, Joe Webb, former NFL quarterback, cut his teeth as a quarterback at UAB. He's now entering the boxing ring. Just a really intriguing story, and we'll talk to Joe on the other side of this break. You've dialed in Big Noon Sports. 
securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Slightly drier air continues to filter into Alabama, making things a little more comfortable. Still hot out there, though. Your forecast, mostly sunny through the afternoon hours. It'll continue to be hot with a high near 92. Tonight, fair skies, the overnight low near 70. And for your Wednesday, mostly sunny, hot, a little more muggy. A few isolated showers and storms show back up by afternoon. The daytime high 92. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Back on the show, Matt Coulter with you. Laura's taking a couple of days off, and Justin Jones is with us. But now joined by Joe Webb, a very popular NFL and UAB quarterback. And we're going to talk a little bit about your experience on the football field, but let's jump right into the ring. First of all, Joe, I'm Matt. I don't know that we've ever met personally, but uh, we have several mutual friends, one of which, Tuffy Crow who was a former UAB coach, and he helped me get in touch with you. I appreciate that. But uh, how you doing, man? What's life doing besides uh, your boxing ring? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah, doing pretty good. But life life has been great. So, so tell us uh, what the card is. I, I was just reading here in some of your boxing. You've, you've only had amateur fights. Is this, this going to be your first pro fight? Yes, yeah, sir. So I've been doing amateur for about two years um so i have been to the national golden glove uh i have worn three belts through in amateur so um that, that that's been my focus point at the beginning you know go through amateurs you know really you know learn the sport you know build that foundation and um yes sir this is my first pro fight very cool can you give me details it's at bartow arena isn't it yes sir at bartow arena this saturday august 5th Doors open at six. Uh, the bouts begin at seven. We have about seven fights on card, including myself. And um, some of the bosses who's on who's on the card, you know, there a lot of them are ranked. You know, a lot of them is their pro debut. And um, you can get tickets at uabsports.evenue.net. What level are you fighting? Uh, this level is pretty much, um, you know, as, as, when you start off at Boston, you pretty much have to work your way up the ladder. You know, you, uh, you know, you, you, you start off, uh, with opponents. Uh, the opponent I fight is Ryan King. Uh, this is also his pro debut. Uh, he had a couple amateur fights also. So it, it, it's a great matchup, uh, for us both, you know, as far as in and to the pros and, uh, you know, trying to work our way up the ladder, but, but yes, sir. That is, this is the first. This is the start of a, a beautiful, beautiful journey. Uh, are you a heavyweight? 
Yes, sir, heavyweight. I weigh about 240 right now. So, wow. uh, yes, sir, man, a heavyweight class. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic stuff. Uh, why boxing? Uh, could you have done the the Marshall stuff or did were you just act you just wanted to stay active after playing in the NFL for eleven years? Yeah, sir. So what happened, uh back in two thousand and twenty one, uh I was with New York Giants at the time. I played with New York back in two thousand and twenty and I signed with them back through the um uh through OTAs. I was with them through OTAs. So uh with boxing, you know, I had a friend of mine by the name of Nick Williams. He invited me to a workout. Uh, we was using it as an extra cardio, you know, on top of our workouts. And uh, things ain't worked out with New York. And I was pretty much training for about three months, you know, since May. I mean, since March. And then May, you know, things out with New York. So my uh, my coach, Dave Gobber, he, he, he invited me. He said, hey, I have a match. You know, I have a Golden Glove tournament coming up, and which, which was in July. I said, hey, man, I've been training already. So I said, hey, why not? So, yeah, I, I did my first pro fight. I got a knockout. All through amateurs, I got at least six knockouts. Uh, so, um, I mean, first night, first fight went good, got a knockout. Second fight went good, had a knockout. So it, it just kept coming and kept flowing. And, and um, you know, I saw a great opportunity with it. Hey, Joe, thanks for being on the show today. We appreciate your time so much. So with the NFL and, and boxing being maybe two of the most physical, competitive sports out there, what kind of comparisons have you drawn from your NFL career to, to boxing now? Uh, one thing with um, – so I, I, I would start off with the NFL. You know, uh, when you break it down film, you know, you kind of break it down the whole defense. You start with the defensive line and you work to the linebackers and you work to the secondary. Uh, you pretty much break it down, you know, 11 guys on the field. Uh, with boxing, you pretty much, you break it down one. You know, you only have one guy to, to dissect and to break down to see his tendencies, what he do right, what he do wrong. Um, also, the cardio part is it's totally different. You know, when you're on football, you know, you might have a 10, 11 play drive. You know, in between those drives, you have the play clock, you know, four to second play clock, or they might have a TV timeout. Or, you know, turnover might happen, the defense run on the field. You, you have your chance to kind of catch your second win or catch your break. Uh, with, with boxing, you know, it's no break. You know, it's three minutes straight. You know, um, you know, you have to find, you have to find yourself, you know, maybe playing defense, you know, blocking shots, you know, that'll be your break. That'll be your time to, you know, kind of gather yourself. But like I said, it's still, it's, it's still no breaks, but it's, it's it's such a beautiful, you know. A lot of people call it a sweet science because, yeah. um, you know, you 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 in it and you know you're trying to break down your opponent. You listening to your corner man. Uh, you have all type of people screaming from the from the stands. You know, I can hear my mom scream, my brothers, my my my, my son. You know, and you're trying to block those voices out and listen to your corner man. You know, opposed to it on the football field. You know, you, you you had your teammates right there, but you can't hear the fans, you know, what they say to you and things like that. So it, it's very unique. It's different and it's very unique. Oh, in the league as well, I know quarterbacks are, are typically um, pretty focused on, like, function and form, like throwing the uh, – Man, the word just blanked my mind here. But the the technique and, and skill and throwing the ball and how are you using your body and your legs, does that also kind of help you 
go to, to boxing where I know it's similar with your punching and footwork and, and moving your head like that? Yes, yes, very similar as far as the footwork. You know, you want to keep a good base up under yourself. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to make sure, kind of like, you know, football, you might overstep, you know, your feet might be too wide. Or, um, you know, you want to sit on your back leg, you know, transferring your weight when you're throwing the ball. And all of those are pretty similar with boxing. You know, you you have a good stance, you know, transferring your weight from, from throwing your power hand, um, you know, things as far as moving around the ring, you know, making sure, like, you have a good stance. So, uh, and then as far as, like, being in the pocket, you know, as a quarterback in football, you know, you have a lot of these guys, you know, the defense alignment. They come in to tear your head off, you know, in a sense, you know. So you have to, you know, you have to move inches and maneuver in the pocket. Uh, that's kind of the same way in boxing. You know, you have a, you have to change the angle of, of you know, of, of your opponent. You have to change the angles to make sure they don't get, get a good clean shot on you. You know, you have to constantly be on the move. And uh, so that that's kind of similar as far as being in the pocket as a quarterback. And uh, you have to sit in the pocket also as a boxer. Because when you're throwing the ball the foot down the field as a quarterback, you know, you some guys, you know, you have to take a shot to deliver a good football. And the same way with boxing, you might have to take a shot to deliver a good one. Wow. Uh, great analogy right there. Our guest here on Big Noon Sports is Joe Webb, UAB quarterback, 11 years in the NFL. Joe, how about them Dragons? You're a Winona <laughs> guy, right? Yes, sir. Coming out of high school... Was UAB the only group to come after you? What, what was the? How did you end up uh, a Blazer? Um, Blazer, I you know I, I've been a fan of the Blazers. Growing up here in Birmingham, you know I used to go to a lot of football games. You know I watched the greats that come out of UAB. Um, so I always been a fan of the Blazers. Did I did I knew I was going to go to UAB? No sir. Um, I had a lot of different schools. You know as far as. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, I had some SEC offers. I had some Conference USA at the time. Um, I had a, um, let me see, the SWAT, a lot of SWAT, SWAT schools wanted me. But as far as UAB, I wanted to do something kind of similar to what they are now. I wanted to build a program. And um, at the time when I was coming out, you know, you can go to the Alabamas, you can go to the Arbors, you can go to, you know, the Georgias or Tennessee or in, in the nature of that, but their program is pretty much set. You know, they, they have they have that tradition, you know, they have their, the the uh, great players to come through the come through the university. But what I saw at UAB at the time I, I, I looked at it as a gold mine. And I also looked at it as a product of my own city. You know, and, and wanted to build that and wanted to, you know, um take UAB to the next level. And as you can see now, you know, we got our new stadium. You know, a lot of big things being built on campus. We have a new practice facility. You know, we now we are moved into the new conference. Um, so, so a lot of so all everything that I felt like I had to, I put in at the time when I came to UAB, I felt like it paid off, and it's exciting to see the uh, where UAB has been and where where it is now. Joe, you were able to play in the NFL for eleven years as a quarterback. But you also, I think this just increased your value. You also played in other areas too. Uh, in fact, I was just reading online. I don't know if people knew. I don't even know if you know. Did you know 
that you hold the record for <laughs> highest number of tackles for a quarterback? <laughs> Yes, yes, sir. I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> How does that happen? Um, so it all started uh, when I got drafted uh, with Minnesota Vikings. You know, they drafted me as a receiver. But when I got up there and I went through Rick and Minnie camp, they had me to throw the football. I guess they wanted to see what I have. Uh, I threw the ball. They liked what they saw. They switched me back to quarterback. So on to my third, fourth year, they just wanted me to get on the field. They wanted me to put me on the field just because I had so much athleticism. Uh, so I started doing special teams, you know, where the kick return, prep return. I did all four phases uh, for, the, for the special teams. I also played receiver. So most of those tackles came from special teams, man. I mean, um, you know, I, they had it set up for me. I was the PP on punt. You know, I was on the kickoff team. So, um, yeah, and I'd use my speed and size to that advantage. And yeah, I went down to, and I was able to deliver the hit on some of the guys who was getting beat when I was their quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> what a great stat. Jesse, you had a question for Joe. Hey, Joe, um, on your NFL career, can you tell us any story about that awesome 2015 season with the Panthers and going to the Super Bowl? Oh man, that was one of my. The, nah, that was the best best year that I ever experienced as a uh, as a pro athlete. You know, we had a lot of adversity, but we we fought through a lot of them. You know, uh, so I mean, I mean that just that year alone was. Um, I mean, we had a lot of great guys in the locker room, and um, I mean, we we were one game away from you know going undefeated. You know, for the regular season, so. Uh, I would say my best memories from that team is just the locker room atmosphere. I mean, the way guys came in and came to work, but we also had fun. We joked, we played, you know, uh, it, it, I mean, that's what, that's what, uh, performing, you know, a great team. You know, you have to have great players. You had to have great chemistry. You had to have great character. And that team alone just had everything in one. And um, it's unfortunate we couldn't put the icing on the cake, but uh, it was just it was just all around just great chemistry all the way around. Uh, somebody told me that um, you're, you're a really good locker room guy. You're you're funny. You're friendly. You're you're very outgoing and uh, not one to shy away from a prank. Is it true that you used to hide Brett Favre's car? <laughs> Let me tell you one thing. Brett Favre pulled a lot of praise on, on those guys too. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was it was more so like um, you know it was a get back type of deal, you know. Uh, so we you know we had to get Brett back because uh, first of all, Brett, you know, when I first met him, you know, he knew me from the JB days because you know Southern Miss we was a bit rival at the time, right? So so Brett, I mean, Brett would do do a lot of praise. Well, we came, we all came together one day and said, hey, man, we got to get Brett, man. We got to get him, you know. And, uh, you know, that was one of the deals, you know, hiding his car. And, um, you know, in his locker room, you know, we would get an old, you know, old rocking chair, you know, put it in front of his locker. <laughs> like, hey, this, this, this is your new chair for the day. Uh, you, know, it, it, you know, it was a lot of fun. Well, uh I got to follow up with this. Uh, what kind of car was he driving? A truck? 
Uh, how far did you hide it, and uh, was he able to find it? Did y'all have to tell him. <laughs> yeah, it was more so of a pickup truck. You know, he, you know, he's a, a, big, a country guy, so uh, he didn't need much. It was more of a pickup truck, and uh, you know, we got some help from the security guys. You know, because uh, the first thing you know, you go to the security guy like, "Hey, I don't see my car. You know what happened? You know things of that nature." So they they played along with it also, and. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, he, he had some steam to blow off the top of his head and say, hey, where's my car? I didn't get home. <laughs> so eventually, you know, we had to tell him, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was very funny, you know, watching him, but he kind of knew that it was a joke, it was a prank, and, you know, he, he, he was fun about it, you know, he didn't take it very seriously, but... He did have to get home that particular day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you give it, you got to learn how to take it. And it sounds like Brett was able to do that. All right. Uh, as we wrap up, I just got to ask you this really quick question. Are you jacked up for Saturday night? Oh, I'm, I'm more than jacked up. I'm, I'm ready to go. This is most excited out of being about a fight. You know, uh, you know, I know it's, I know it's the pros different from the amateurs, but. Uh, this is the most excited I have been about something. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to display my skill, what I have learned throughout the years in the boxing world. And I know a lot of guys, they go on and, you know, they go on the celebrity boxing deal and they just throw themselves out there. But I'm ready. I've really been doing the boxing. You know, I've been sparring against pros. I've been down to the train account when uh, Deontay was about to fight Fury. So I saw that aspect of everything. So I've been around it for a long time over these two years. So I'm just excited to, um, you know, be able to display everything to the fans. You've been a terrific guest and nothing but success aimed at you Saturday night. Well, I appreciate you joining us. And, uh, hey, let's let's get together next week and talk again about what happened Saturday. Yes, sir. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Joe, thanks for your time. Appreciate it so much. Yes, sir. Thank uh, you. You bet. Joe Webb stepping uh, away from the gridiron and into the boxing ring. Uh, I got a really good reason to go somewhere Saturday night. That'd be very cool. It's at the UAB Arena. <laughs> Pardon me. I've got a little bit of a cough. It's at the UAB Arena. And I'll give you some details on the other side. I think Joe did in, in the beginning uh, about ticket information. Because uh, that'd be a really cool thing to go to. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 2303. 
Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, it's Matt and Justin. Lars is taking a couple of days off. Appreciate you folks dialing us up. Here's information. If you'd like to go to the boxing pro debut of Joe Webb, uh, tickets are 25 bucks. It's general admission, 50 for ringside, $100 for premium. Uh, I don't know a lot about boxing prices and tickets, but uh, that sounds reasonable to me. Um, it, doors open at 6. Uh, preliminary fights begin at 7. Uh, tickets can be purchased online at uabsports.evenue.net or you can go to first, no, excuse me, let me get this right, round1goldengloves.com. And round one is a boxing organization and gym, I believe, um, out of Hoover. So I thought that guy was pretty cool, Justin. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I feel like I remember watching him uh, as you were sitting there talking to him, but I remember him playing receiver, Joe Webb. That's why it popped into my head at first and, and not uh, not quarterback. But that's cool. That was great. I'm excited to see uh, what how he does on, on Saturday. I will look into this and try and get you some information concerning the event later on this week. But uh, I guess if they're charging money for tickets, they really don't want to put it up on some kind of a stream, do they? I mean, they, they do that for some things. I'll look up and see because, uh, you know, it's it's also pretty good if you can just watch it from the comfort of your own home. But that doesn't sell any tickets. That's why they have blackouts. They still have black. Do you know what a blackout is, Justin? Um, a television blackout for sports, just like where they they like don't fix a contract. Is that what it is? And then like no, you, you don't play it. The original intent was, um, you know, if it were going to be on television, uh, but ticket sales were lagging, they would black it out in the home market so more people would buy tickets, and which is amazing. Because every once in a while, game will come up, the Atlanta Braves playing in Atlanta, and they'll black it out in Birmingham, Alabama, which just doesn't make any sense to me. I understand the original intent, but we're what, 150 miles away? Maybe 120, something like that. But And they're blacking Birmingham out? Never could quite figure that out. I'm also kind of glad that you don't know what one is because uh, they're not being used very much anymore. I feel like I've heard them being used. My my late grandfather was a very big Braves fan, and when he couldn't watch the Braves on his TV, he made sure everybody and the whole family knew about it. <laughs> so he would curse at the TV. Yeah, I've, I've I've not only seen that, I've done that, um, <laughs> but. Uh, how old was your grandfather when he passed? I'm just trying to get an idea of uh, what era he was watching when he was a big Braves fan. 
you just had to put me on the spot there. Huh, oh no, uh, I, no, I just, <laughs> um, I just wondered if it, then certainly he would have seen Aaron. Yeah, I he, loved he, Henry Aaron and Necro and those guys. That's kind of my era too. I want to say he was seventy-eight when he passed. Uh, well, like I said, he probably was uh, keeping up with the Braves before they moved to Atlanta. But um, that was a very, very cool deal. And um, sorry to hear of his passing, but if he was a passionate Braves fan, um, man, we would have gotten along. We could have given the starting lineup when they moved from Milwaukee to Atlanta in 66 and go on from there. But, uh, oh, I'm hey, sure he would have loved it. I'm sure he would have loved it. What else is on your plate today? If you were going to leave this show and bring up another story or two, is there anything we haven't covered? I'm, I'm throwing this on you as now co-host and producer. Well, I know we were talking O.J. Howard earlier Um Conveniently, and and like you, I, you might have brought it up, but the Raiders did waive him today. So another tight end is on the uh, the free agent market, which I thought he did great for the Texans. The couple games I saw when he was there, so it's kind of a shame that uh, another Alabama player being uh, being waived in the NFL. Yeah, I would have uh, bet pretty high dollars that um, he could have become maybe not a superstar tight end. But, um, you know, an everyday gamer. But t- correct me if I'm wrong. I, I know I'm not wrong about this. Uh, he was banged up from when he left Alabama and went into the NFL. And he has really struggled with injuries because we all remember, especially those what, listening to the show in Tuscaloosa, what an outstanding national championship game he had against Clemson. Um, he owned it. And I that sent his... Uh, draft stock way up but injuries have uh, unfortunately had a lot to do with OJ Howard's career in the NFL it was definitely injuries and then the whole I was in Tampa when he got drafted so there's a lot of excitement down there um, and then they brought in Gronk so kind of filled up the tight end room and then Brady so he's definitely a talent I think he'll probably get picked up again somewhere and you know Matt a lot of the news I'm just seeing is a lot of clips out of training camp. I'm seeing some Jordan Love from your Packers. Uh, apparently, is give me more. Well. Give me more. <laughs> He's apparently yeah. throwing some some deep balls to uh, Romeo Dobbs, who's mossing uh, Jari Alexander. So you have you have some some looking forward to do this season, maybe. Well. Uh... I want Jordan Love to be successful because he's a first-round pick. He certainly deserves his time there. But just kind of a, a, a personal standpoint, I'd like to see Alex Magoo, at the very least, make the roster. Um, because Love's about the only guy that you would recognize the name in that quarterback room, except now for the Stallions quarterback and Alex Magoo. Um, speaking of the Stallions, I just remembered I read this sometime last night. That, um, you know, there's been a lot of people talking about Skip Holtz and the possibility of him going to Northwestern, not maybe as a head coach, but as a consultant to just try and help them get from point A to point B and get through all the hazing and all of the horrible stuff that's uh, apparently occurred. Now, there are some that still question whether or not these players were as accurate as they claim. But that's not the point of this story. My point is, I believe I read last night, Justin, that he has indeed reached some kind of an agreement with Northwestern 
where he was going to have a presence in the football program, but then he very emphatically said, "But I'm not. I'm not leaving the Stallions." Did you read that? I'm, I'm not. I know I'm not just making this up. No, yeah, you're not making it up. I'm. I'm actually looking at it right here from from Pete Thamel, the uh, he's a senior ESPN writer. Uh, yeah, he's agreed in principle to hire Skip Holtz as a special assistant to the head coach for the 2023 season. But like, but like he said, he's he's staying with the Birmingham Stallions. He didn't want to give that up. Well, um, that's good news for us, and I and I hope for him because don't you think, Justin? In the circumstances that he's being given, don't you think he's going to make a little coin out of this? I think he's going to make a very big coin out of this, Matt, not just a little one. Um, And I think it's beneficial for him to stay with the Stallions because the USFL is seemingly on the rise. They keep doing better every season, especially with the success from Birmingham. So, I mean, why not? You You can do two things at once. Well, I mean, players are doing it. I mean, Magoo just finished winning a championship, and uh, now he's working out with the Packers. So, You know, I wonder if that's going to benefit him as well, since he's not really, you know, had that. He's going into NFL training camp, warmed up, experienced, coming straight out of a regular season pretty much. So he might look better than some of the other quarterbacks. Yeah, he also might show a little wear and tear, too, since he just played 12 games. But, um I mean, maybe it's like warming up in the bullpen. Uh, then when you get out to the mound, you're ready to go. But uh, we'll see. Certainly, I hope so, given where Magoo is. All right. When we get back, Arch Manning catches a big check for charity. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Slightly drier air continues to filter into Alabama, making things a little more comfortable. Still hot out there, though. Your forecast mostly sunny through the afternoon hours. It'll continue to be hot with a high near 92. Tonight, fair skies, the overnight low near 70. And for your Wednesday, mostly sunny, hot, 
a little more muggy. A few isolated showers and storms show back up by afternoon. The daytime high 92. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Back on Big Noon Sports. Matt and Justin with you. Lars is taking a couple of days off here. Uh, we told you last week about Arch Manning's first NIL deal. It was with Panini Trading Cards. And his first card autographed uh, in this new line of trading football cards um, was going to be auctioned off. And that, in fact, auction time has ended. Hundred and three thousand dollars. One zero three comma zero zero zero. And all that goes to St. David's, uh a charity that Arch selected. So you know, uh we gripe and moan and you know what, uh, about NIL all the time, but that, my friend Justin, is a great example of the the good that it can do. No, it definitely is. And I, I think it was awesome to see. So hopefully we'll see some more of these college athletes um, doing that and taking advantage of supporting some of these um, incredible organizations to help their communities, which ultimately is the positive side of NIL. You know, we talk about the millions of dollars that these athletes can make, but it also means that they're able to make a greater impact and influence on local communities or their schools' communities um, even earlier than, you know, before getting to the NFL. Hey, what's the latest here you got on Tiger Woods? Yeah, so apparently Tiger Woods is going to be a uh, player director on a policy board for the PGA Tour. So he's been fairly quiet uh, as far as the live merger and, and things like that. But now it seems he's going to take a, uh, a stance here and maybe make some decisions for the PGA and, and work alongside Monaghan to uh, get some things done. Because we all know... Uh, their offices are probably in shambles right now with everybody running around. I can't believe Monahan still has a job. I mean, can't the players fire him? Evidently not. Because they're not happy with him. They're not happy with the PGA. And uh, many are not happy uh, with any type of association with PIF. I think that's what it's called. PIF, uh, yeah. And yeah, I think, the, the I really think money. Matt, that they're just trying to get out of this season and then figure out everything when when there's no more majors or FedEx Cup to be played. Well, uh, let me ask you that. Uh, the guys that went across, you know, and played for the riches of the Saudi tour, um, should they just be able to walk back in and play in the PGA? Or should they have to serve some kind of penalty or um I don't know. I, I just I don't give them a free pass if I'm the you know if I'm the mayor of the PGA. I don't know. I, and from what I hear, not many of the guys that left want to come back anyways, other than for the majors. Um, I think you do got to tell them like maybe they have to earn their tour card back. I could see that being a thing, but I think the bigger question is whether the guys that stayed are going to have some sort of reward or benefit, which has been the big discussion. That's a good way. That's a great way to look at it. You know, reward the guys that, you know, show their loyalty. Because um, I I used to be one of the big, big Phil Mickelson fans. Um, what's coming out of his mouth now is just, it's wrong. Um, he has gone from being one of the most beloved golfers in the history of, 
of the PGA, I think, to one of the most despised. And I think Greg Norman hasn't done, you know, his history, his career uh, in American golf. I don't think he's done himself any favors there. Okay. Here's the most bizarre thing we're going to talk about today. First of all, it is tragic that this man died, but it made me think about other things. Uh, I had to dig deep for this one, Justin. Remy Lucidi is a French, what they call daredevil. And unfortunately, he was climbing a tall building in Hong Kong, and he was somewhere along the 68th floor, and they're still saying apparently. Um, it was him because I imagine it was kind of tough to put him, you know, identify him after he fell 68 floors. But you've seen these people, right, Justin? These people that literally don't use harnesses, safeties, or anything. They'll just decide they want to climb the side of a building. And it's not like it's one or two stories. Uh, they'll literally climb skyscrapers with basically their bodies, their hands, and their feet. Um, could you ever do something like that? That may be a dumb question. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no such thing as dumb questions. Maybe a quick answer is what I'll give you. Uh, no, I will not be climbing any skyscrapers or uh, or mountains. I, I Props to those guys. I know there's the, um, I think they're called free solo climbers that do like El Capitan, like, Ugh. I get, I'm not afraid of heights, but I get chills just thinking about that. And and my dad's a paratrooper, and all the time, you know, oh, he, really? uh, he he will, you know, brag to us about jumping out of airplanes and helicopters. And I'd be I'd try it once, and I'd say, well, that's enough. You know, that's probably all I need. <laughs> not a skyscraper, or anything. Uh, I will admit this freely. I am afraid to get on a stepladder. Um, heights. They've always bothered me, but it seems like here recently, I can watch a film clip of somebody at the top of a mountain. You know, all right, here's a perfect example. You know the promo for Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise takes a motorcycle and drives off the oh, edge yeah. of the cliff? Oh, yeah. That makes me ill. I can't even watch that without feeling freaked out. So that's how bad I am about it. It's even but, crazier that I'm, that's him. Like, he does all of his own stunts, I'm pretty sure. So, Yeah, I believe he said he did do that. And he said he had to really psych himself up for that feat. Going, man, get a stunt double. Uh, I don't like heights. And I'm thinking about this and these people that will scale the side of a skyscraper. But there's another group that will uh, somehow get to the top of these buildings and then base what they call base jump. Could you do, could you base jump? I, Which is <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a parachute. Yeah, like they just jump off and then pull their parachute. I think I'll I'll try I'll try skydiving first before I do any any base jumping. <laughs> uh, maybe base jumping safer because you're not in a plane or anything. I don't know. Oh, it all just frightens me. I get a little nervous just talking about him. <laughs> Not really, but um, okay. Going back to your dad, uh, he's he's a, was he a military guy? Uh, yes, sir. He uh, retired army, but he was a, a jump master and jumped out of all sorts of things you probably usually don't jump out of, like planes and helicopters. How uh, how many jumps do you have? God, he must have had quite a few if he was a jump master. 
Yeah, um, I think he likes to say he stopped counting after the third. So, oh, more, really? Yeah, more than that. <laughs> Did he? Uh, I don't know if he would share this with you anyway. Did he ever tell you if he had a close call? No, um, although he loves probably to, not something you ask a paratrooper. No, well, I'm I'm sure he did. He uh, he's been deployed multiple times to Iraq and Afghanistan. He's retired now, so nothing to worry about there. But um, he does. We do have a funny family story where he actually broke his leg um, jumping out of a plane once. And um, this is we lived in Alaska at the time, and so he's got a full leg cast on, and he's cooped up at home. And we, uh, uh, the kids and, and mom, we, we packed up and actually went to Orange Beach for the week after he broke his leg. So really? he, he never lets us live that one down. It, you left him in Alaska and went to Orange Beach. You, it sounds worse than it really, than it really was. Um, you know, he probably other welcomed people. it. There were other people to take care of him. He was fine. He was fine. Oh, yeah. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Oh. Uh, like I said, he may have enjoyed the time off, too. How many children in your family? There's four of us. I'm the oldest. Wow. Well, good to dive into your family history. We'll do this again tomorrow as Lars takes a couple of days off. I appreciate you contributing in more than one way today, Justin. I hope you have a great afternoon. Yeah. I'm going to go have some late lunch and take a nap, just like people my age do. Have a great day, Justin. Thank you. You too, Matt. That sounds like a, a great recipe. Good. I'm glad you approve. We'll see you in 22 hours.